0: Uh, Hello and welcome, everyone. Uh, We are here today with uh, three CEOs, presidents, and CEOs uh, that I personally respect in the marketplace, and we're going to be talking today about how to value companies and maybe how not to value companies along the way. So we've got Mars Cord, uh, president CEO of Wallbridge Mining in Canada. We've got James Worthill at. uh, uh, Rupert, uh, resources in, um, with their assets in Finland. Uh, James is based in London and we've got Brad Langle who is joining us from Chihuahua, uh, today. So, uh, hello, first of all, gentlemen, how are you? Good thanks. Oh, well. Good, good, good. Well, okay. It's going to be. I think it's an exciting topic. Certainly, uh, it, it reflects a lot of the questions that we get sent in. And I think people um, look to us to try and help them with the answers, and I look to people like you to uh, to help me. So um, I'm going to ask if you could just introduce yourselves and your companies. Just elevator pitch first, and we'll kind of kick off some questions. And Mars, I might start with you. if I may.
1: sure. Thank, thanks, Pat. Uh, my name is Mars Court, president of Walrus Mining. Uh, at Warbridge, uh, we've been exploring our uh, flagship project along the D2 Fenelon Gold Trend in Quebec, Canada. Uh, this is a pretty underexplored belt. Uh, we just delivered a uh, maiden mineral resource estimate at Fenelon, as well as an updated mineral resource estimate at Martinier. Together, about 4.4 million ounces, uh, majority in the in the indicated category. Uh, but more importantly, we uh, we uh, control about uh, 97 kilometers stretch of this underexplored belt which starts at the Ontario border where the D2 Lake mine is, uh, 97 kilometres to the east. And this year's programme is about a $70 million programme that we've got, close to about 160,000 metres of drilling. And our plan is to uh, expand uh, the resources that we currently have, but also be able to follow up on our drill bit success and uh, be able to find new discoveries along this uh, belt.
2: Brilliant. James? Hi there, everyone. Uh, My name is James Whittle. I'm the CEO of Rupert Resources. Root Resources is a uh, Finland-focused explorer up in the northern part, up in Lapland. And uh, we acquired the projects back in 2016. It's really quite a new area for for people for exploration. It's certainly a new district for what I'd call modern commercial exploration. Um, I guess the the big highlight of the work we've been doing was the announcement of the discovery of this this grassroots discovery called Ickery that we put out a Maiden Resource, just under 4 million ounces, 3.95 million ounces at 2.5 grams. And we put that out back in um, in September now, but that was actually drilled and the drill cutoff for that was way back in May of last year. So uh, I guess, you know, what are we trying to do up there? It's really to show the the potential of this belt and we're continuing to explore, you know, at a a very high intensity pace. And really now we we feel that we really understand this belt. So over the next year, yeah, we're probably doing the order of 60 plus thousand metres. I think this coming quarter is the most drilling meters we've ever done, almost ten thousand meters a month. So, it's a uh, it's pretty busy and exciting time, and, and certainly a, a a great part of the world to be exploring.
0: It, it is. I've just returned from Finland. I, I can attestify to that. Uh, attest to that, I should say. Um, and Brad, let's finish with you.
3: Well, yes. Um, gold, gold. We're a Mexican uh, bi- uh, based and well, a Canadian based but Mexican focused uh, producer and explorer. Uh, We have our Peral mine that's been operating now for almost eight years and has another seven years of production left. And um, but the real driver of the company is our Los Ricos exploration development asset in Jalisco State, Mexico. We've had that for three years. We've completed so far about 150,000 meters of drilling. We have another 100,000 meters at least planned for the next 12 months. We've completed. In the district, we have two areas the north and south. In the south, we have a a PEA of 295 million of uh, NPV, and we just released in December a resource in the north at 161 million silver equivalent ounces. And in the south, we have 83 million silver equivalent ounces. So um, it's quickly becoming one of the larger uh, high grade silver projects in uh, mexico high grade is in its uh, bulk mineable and uh, average grades in the uh, range of uh, one hundred and forty to uh, in the south about two hundred grams per ton
0: brilliant Brad. like I pr- appreciate that and so uh, as everyone 's heard, these are big resources with with big, big opportunities um, ahead of them but Along the way, these guys need to raise money. They need to go to the market and prove, um, that there's some value to be had here for investors. And those can be retail investors, family offices, institutional, uh, I- I- investors. And, uh, at different stages, they've got, you know, different conversations and different narratives that they need to, and so stories that they need to tell. So, Morris, um, you, you saw last year and, and perhaps the, the year before, sort of a huge interest in your company. And then the, the stock came, came off a bit, right? And I think it'd be fair to say that perhaps people got a little bit too excited about what the value of the company was there. So, I mean, how do do you how do you remember that? And you know, and how how would you describe what happened in in your journey there?
1: Well, I remember it vividly (laughs) when we uh, reached almost a billion dollars. But as an exploration company, people have got to be cognizant of the valuation of these companies. Of course, there are some exceptions. As we just realized, that Great Bear was picked up for close to about one point eight billion dollars. But, but when you really look at the exploration and, and in terms of value in these companies, the investors sh- should really be looking at a whole number of factors. It's like playing golf. I, um, you know, you gotta keep your head down. You gotta keep your shoulders straight. You gotta bend your knees. You got you know. So so there is a lot of things that you gotta look at. So so it's property management the uh, the quality of the deposit and then the jurisdiction and then go on and on and on. So it's not just one factor. Some people look at only grade, but there are lower grade underground deposits that have potential for bulk mineability of two, 300,000 ounces a year. There are open pit operations that might even be less than a gram a ton, but it's still very valuable because they have a lower stripping ratios. So you got to look at this whole thing and, 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 and don't, don't look at just one factor in order to be able to value. And that's exactly what happened with our case in terms of wall You know, for the longest time, we were, you know, we were coming up with some fantastic results. I mean, 48 meters of 22 grams, 19 meters of 43. But along the way, there were also other results that were 40 meters of two and a half grams a ton or 50 meters of 5 grams a ton, or 100 meters of 5 grams a ton. When you really look at these type of orogenic deposits, it's different than somebody who's developing 2 meters of 100 grams a ton. So, because it's it, it's a different type of a deposit. So, market was probably realizing that we were going to all have this double-digit grade in terms of our resources, and that's exactly what happened. Whereas, the kind of resource that we have today is very economic in terms of its type of of uh, production profile that you can get. So, so that's exactly what happened with uh, with the speculation. We are all very familiar with the LaSon curve. I don't want to bring that up because it's become a cliche, but, but certainly throughout, by the time the resource comes out, there is a speculation factor that causes the investors to get that hype and continue to do that. Whereas once they realize the potential size, some people fall away.
0: Well, look, I want to, I want to come back to that. I want everyone to get, get a chance to actually uh, talk, uh, first. And then we'll sort of come back and hit some of those, 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 points there. I mean, James, you have grown from an exploration story in Finland, which is a jurisdiction not many people really knew about nor cared about, you know, 10 years ago, quite frankly. And, but you've managed to sustain that growth. Can a company like yours still be, you know, near, near billion bucks be considered a growth story anymore?
2: Yeah, I th- it's always a it's always the question we get asked in a lot. lot. I think um, absolutely, I think you can, and I think you, 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 as you mentioned it slightly, I mean the the uh, the problem with the industry sometimes is that you know people. Um, if you just look at one project and you just say, okay, well I'm going to you know I drilled off ecoree for instance, I found that found four million ounces. I guess okay, that's a great achievement, and the companies that's a huge amount of growth from nothing to four million ounces. Whatever. But I guess the the point is. In an area like Finland where you just haven't seen commercial exploration before the opportunity is is far greater than that because it's saying okay well you know that's the first discovery that we made in within two years we're carrying on doing that business we're trying to understand the belt better there's the opportunity to make another discovery because you're working in absolute grassroots jurisdiction and and we continue to generate more and more anomalies so I guess the the challenge, as Mark said, the Lissan curve comes here, You know, you get this big spike, but actually, you know, that's that's looking at us on a project basis, not on a company basis. The idea for a company like ours is to be running a number of expiration projects, a number of and you can basically stack your Lissan curves up because you've got one. You know, that's your first project. You can might make that bigger, and then you stack the other one on top of that. Okay, and you get the other lift uplift, and it, and and and, it, and that's so important for expiration companies because ultimately. You know, it's that bit afterwards where people say, oh, well, the returns aren't as great, you know, worrying about the the set, the next stage, all the the PEAs, the feasibility studies, all the things that sort of tend to be a risk that tends to be a a negative risk for the most part, cumulative risk, whereas expiration is such a, you know, tends to be generate quite a lot of positive risk. Uh, And it's about keeping up that expenditure on, on the expiration side. In areas like ours, it would be different if we were in an established belt, maybe that had been fully explored, and we just happen to find a deposit. But this is it, what's unique about being a brand new jurisdiction, or you know, is that opportunity to keep on growing, you know, or keep on finding these. Things.
0: Right. Okay. And, and like I said, I'll just just get a uh, Brad into the conversation, and then I think perhaps we can all just um, you know um, yeah. fire off of each other. I mean, Brad, you, we've had conversations in the past, and you, you, you give me a great phrase. Where, because depending on which side of, which side of the argument you're sitting on, people have got cliches which they 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 spout out, right? And uh, you know, great is king is one that gets thrown at me a lot. When a lot of the time, it, it's it's not necessarily true. Because you you you've used, you introduced me to a phrase which is cool. It's about the amount of contained metal that we're looking for, and that's how you should judge and value companies. I mean, so how, how, do you, how have you looked at your project? What's something that you've described to me as one of the best projects you've ever seen? You ever worked on? I should be clear.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, and just to touch on a, a couple of points that the uh, the other guys have touched on, it uh, very valid. You know, it's it's management uh, for sure. I mean, you know, if you're looking for uh, reducing your risk, you're looking for value. You want to you know deal with companies who have uh, done it before. And we built four mines. Our group of uh, people in Mexico, and we we stuck to Mexico. In fact, my whole career, almost thirty years now, but. Um, Yes, at our our deposit, uh, what we see there um, is is bulk mineability, you know, open pit or bulk mineability underground, and the grades can be uh, much lower than, for example, a very you know more of a narrow vein type deposit where you can have extremely high grades, but you're dealing with a a, you know couple meters, five meters. Um, Now we have that, we have that, and we have the very high in in our case we're. Primarily silver, we're about sixty-five percent silver and about thirty-five uh, percent gold. And we see the plus kilos of silver in those narrower, well, not sometimes that narrow, five meters. We put out a six kilo one this morning, about five meters, but it lives within a sea of moderate to um, good grade, which uh, gives us widths of you know uh, plus seventy meters um, with grades that uh, are you know very very good for bulk mining. So that's you know one of the advantages we have, and and the other uh, point that was hit on here on, um, you know about uh, value of a company. Well, I, I think yes, you'll you'll find the companies out there are trading at uh, fifty million or hundred million, but and then you'll find companies like the the other gentleman here, you know, where they're approaching a billion. Well, yeah, I mean you're approaching a billion and you're trading there. There's a reason, you know, we have a. A large percentage of our shareholders are institutional. We have a lot of analyst coverage, and um, you know we've drilled 150,000 meters. We have a large resource and getting a lot larger. So uh, you know, with higher values, you would assume that you know the risk would start to be uh, less.
0: As uh, the projects mature, I mean. So, thanks, Brad. I mean, Morris, When, if I if I look back to when you, you know, you you guys were, uh, you know, a billion bucks uh, valuation, that was because it was mainly retail getting excited. But it was mainly retail getting excited with the wrong expectation. If is that the point at which you sort of go, you know what? We need a bunch more institutional investors in here because they're going to have a slightly well, one longer time horizon and two maybe slightly more sophisticated uh, appreciation of what is being presented by the company. Would or, or does the company sometimes get it wrong?
1: I think in terms of the, the companies look at valuation, but really it's not the company that trades; it's the investor that values the company based on the share price. I mean, and uh, and obviously. Uh, as the project advances towards that milestone of resource or the top of the wasson curve if you may the the and we all know that the institutional shareholders typically would enter more into that into that company into those into that stock when the retail is already fi- fading away because retail was sort of playing with it or kept it for whatever reason. And once the valuation has become more known, that's when the institutional investors want to come in, and, and, and I think we've seen that even in ours. Since you know the the, the majority of the trading that happened over the past since our re- release of the mineral resource estimate right, is really the institutions that are that are coming in. Now. The way the valuation was some by some analysts go, and I, and I know that you know I may get myself in trouble in terms of you know the number of analysts coverage, but sometimes analysts don't get it right either, and that's that's where that's where the the, the real problem comes is because I know how do you how do you put a NAV value on an exploration company that hasn't even come up with their you know the final resource, nor have they even done an economic study, but then you see that. Uh, and, and and that's that's the kind of a thing that we see that the retail side sometimes puts a lot of value into those analyst reports, and and, and or or you know, obviously as company we can't really comment on the analyst report because we don't we don't see those reports until they're they're really published. Uh, but so, so so when you look at it, when somebody said, well, Barbridge is going to have eight million ounces in the resource. You know, and and you know, you know that if the maiden resource isn't going to be that, partly because that's that's really not happened very often in you know in, in in the industry. So 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 then you see that, but the retail side really relies only on that. And that's how the valuation sometimes gets skewed. Or or vice versa. It could even be undervaluing something.
0: But a CEO like you, in, in that kind of scenario, you, if it's good news for you, you're less likely to make a comment about it. If it's if it's not if it's bad news for you, you're gonna you're gonna be a little bit more vocal. So again, you you, you have some grip on the reins in terms of that story, oh, well, don't you?
1: Internally we may. We may, you know, within ourselves and saying, I think this guy got it wrong, or like, I think this guy's got it right. But but we really can't comment on it. I mean, the analyst report is there, you know, okay. for people. So, so from that point of view, I think, I think at the end of the day, the retail side when they look at the valuation of these companies, they have really got to look at again. I mentioned more than just one fact, more than one source. So, what, so what are
0: the important things that they should be looking at? What, what do you, what would you count? Go off? What First of all, they I mean, do?
1: well, I, th- I think when I really look at it, if a company is already. It does not have a mineral resource estimate. What you really look at is, is how are they developing this project? If a company says that I've got 30 kilometers strike length to this, but they're drilling at 25 meter step outs, then you gotta look at it and say, Well, I'll probably get my money back in 30 years by the time they come to that valuation in terms of ounces. Do you want to invest in that you know in that company? I don't care if the management track record may be there. I don't care if the largest shareholder is someone famous. You know, you really need to look at, see, so how is this project? When is this going to be delivering what I'm expecting in terms of this market, in, in terms of its valuation? So that's what I would look at first in terms of management, and, and again, the other one is the quality of the deposit or the property itself. You know. Dollars per ounce is something a lot of people don't look at, but the discovery cost should be something you look at. In a business case, if the market is giving something, I don't know, $100 an ounce, and the person is at $90 an ounce discovery cost, well, that really isn't that good return. Whereas if someone is at $25 an ounce, that's a very good return in terms of what it is. So you can go right to the financial statements, take a look at the actual expenditures. Every financial statement has that, has to have it. Go in there and then divide that by the number of ounces that you think it might be, or it actually is in terms of the resource estimate. And then you see how the quality of that deposit is. You know, I mean, in our case, for example, we're under $30 an ounce. The industry average is about 55 to 60. There are some companies that have actually come up with 6 million ounces, but to date, They've already close to $100 announced ounce discovery costs. So, so when you look at that, it says, okay, what's the future upside for me? Because in the future, they're still going to have to spend at least that 100 or more because the easy parts have been done, but it's going to be even more difficult to find those. So it's even going to be more expensive to find. And then on top of that, jurisdiction. On top of that, jurisdiction is important. So, I mean, I'm taking off, you know, uh, trying to figure this out, but I'll let others comment on it, so.
0: Well, here's something uh, the, the, other, the other two may may not know. Maybe some of the audience won't know either. But um, we've got a, a slight insider here. James used to be a fund manager in London. Was it Baker Steel? Is that we getting that uh, right? yeah, Baker I've Steel, right? There. He had re- reasonable reputation um, <laughs> in, in the city for for you know being really really sharp with the numbers and having a view on how to value companies. So, I mean, James, what do you heard from Mars? Do you agree with any of that? And what would you add to it?
2: No, I do I do agree with a bunch of it. I, th- I think the, the just going back to the point about what can the CEOs do about it or what can you do about it as a company? well what you can do about it, it is to deliver as much information other than drill results into the market. So you can as an exploration company you can deliver network you can you, you, can, you can show where the project is um, you know you get very good reliable sections so when you put out sections that it that it definitely shows you know if, if you've got 100 meters at five grams, show it properly and show that it's consistently mineralized. If 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 it is consistently mineralized throughout the 100 meters, show it rather than, you know, obviously, because you've got to differentiate yourselves from the guy that might have, you know, one meter at 450 grams and the rest of it's just nothing if you certainly degree. So so a big part of it as a fund manager, we used to, to be honest, we didn't invest in exploration. We looked at a lot of exploration companies, but we didn't actually invest in hardly any at all. We just did all the work on it. One of the things that we always used to say, and you know, think about it as a retail investor, it's about how much information that you can glean out of quite a little amount of information that the company is giving you. So, but, but really, the more info the company gives you, if they put out, you know, in the back of a press release, it's a good deposit. They should feel comfortable to put out all the drill results, every assay from every meter down that hole, um, because you need to be able to differentiate your yourself. But also, it's about I guess the difference for us has been like clearly setting what the goal is. Why, why were we exploring here in the first place? You know, we set out a very clear goal that we're only looking for big deposits. We're only looking for things over a certain valuation, 2 billion NSR was the number we came out with. And so, you know, we would clearly never, you know, we found loads of intercepts. I think we've got like 80% hit rate on every expiration hole. So there's loads of intercepts, random ones here and there, which are like one meters at 20 grams, and you know, in a few meters at five grams. But they didn't then go on to become. That's not hickory, if you see what I mean. And I think, I think you have to for the retail guys. It, it's about having that comfort. Management should be able to generate a sense of comfort by being very transparent with the information. Um, if the project's good enough.
0: Let me ask you this because you, you said you, you should be able to glean a lot from a little bit of information. Well, the trouble yes. is with, uh, you know, retail investors is they one, don't necessarily always have the time or the skill set or the inclination to look um, at the data. They're going to rely on what someone tells them. And what we're trying to say is if you, if you are interested in investing in companies with strong fundamentals, you need to understand what those fundamentals, strong fundamentals are. So, what what are the kind of uh, the three quick steps, the three quick wins in terms of what should we look at? What are what 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 are what's the data points that we should look at and how should? We well, treat some, them?
2: there's some some really basic ones, you know, like gram meters. So someone puts out an intercept, just times one by the other, and if it's less than forty, well, it's really not an exciting intercept because you need forty gram meters, gold gram meters here to make anything really. That's to have an economic thing. So when someone comes in with a, a narrow, especially narrow vein things, you might have. You know, three meters at five grams. Well, it's only fifteen gram meters. It's not going to make much money because you've got to dilute it and all So there's an easy one, and so you're looking for companies with exceptional gram meters. And then when you, because most of the data is like these these intervals that come out, and then say, okay, well, are there any really high numbers within that drill result release? Are there any like super high ones that are much higher than the grade of the overall intercept? So. If they come out, you know, it, it, uh, are there amongst that, like some multi-ounce intercepts? And mathematically, on a calculator, you can quickly work out, you know, what the intercept is and what influence those really high-grade ones might have. It. It's a very simple way to do it. And if they if they are overly influencing the whole, you know, the the, the, the okay, and there's really nothing there in it apart from that. You know that it's some little spotty deposit which is being made to look good. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's an easy one. And you can see that from the intervals, you know, how we have to present it. But but that's just like a simple backer envelope or quick calculator model. Really easy, fundamental way to do it. Um, then you could throw out quite a lot of deposits. Apart from that, and then you just have to look at, and, and then there's obviously grade is one element of it. But, um, you know, you might have a high grade, but it might be refractory. So you're looking for a company that's probably going to give you some metal, a recovery data with the grade, some idea of what the, what, you know, as soon as possible when they're doing the exploration. You know, which
1: which is exactly going. what I would be, you know, and to add to what you were saying, the quality mm-hmm. of the deposit, right? The metallurgical yeah. recoveries. But also but also, when you really look at 100 meters of 5 grams, if, if there is, I've, I've seen a lot of companies coming out these days with fantastic grades over, or, or say five, 5 grams over 20 meters, but then they don't have an including in there. We know that you don't sample five meters of a core. It actually is more than one box of coal. So, so you know that it probably was a couple of sections. But they show a photo of it, which you have to see a flake of gold. And you know that, you know, that flake was probably carried out over that. The rest of it may have been waste uh, or, or very, very low grade. So, so again, the including, uh, I agree with you, James, that they really need to pro- provide that kind of information. And people should look for that. If they don't, they should ask for it. You know, and that's a kind of a quality of the deposit you can really determine. Because you know, by the by the time the consultants get that after top Cap, that grade is no longer going to be that. <laughs> you know, when you when you really come up with the resource.
0: And what, what about you? I want to come back to that, um, Mars, because that, that that's brilliant. I, I, I want to talk. I want to talk about some of the the, the fun and games in, in the marketplace that you've seen. No names required. But but Brad, first of all, you you have successfully and continually raised money at higher and higher rates. You've got to put the company in a certain position to be able to do that, right? You know, you, you've got to be able to present information in a certain way. So, what what was that information that you thought was important for? Because you've done a lot of institutional raises too, to to put in front of investors of, from from wherever.
3: Well, you know, I, I think uh, for, for starters, this is a very technical business, and uh, you know, for a retail investor who doesn't know a lot about the technical part of the business. It's, it's very difficult and, and they need to rely on good analysts and uh, who are doing good work. You know, there's a lot of analysts out there and you look at them and they have a technical background and, and that's a good start. So for us, I think it's that, um, yes, you go into a project and it's grassroots and you drill a zone that you have sampled to the surface and you get some great drill results, um, but you have to, you know, as, as expeditiously as possible, move it through the stages of uh you know discovery drilling to uh, resource drilling to to get it to at least a pea which incorporates you know metallurgy and designs of uh, in our case open pits and strip ratios and costing and capital and all those things and um, i i think we really start to get the institutions involved especially the larger institutions as we start taking the project through those uh, stages of development and they can see that okay the a lot of some of the risk you know this is junior mining, there's always going to be a lot of risk. Uh, but as projects move along, they go from resource to economic studies, you start removing some of that risk. And I, I think that's where we succeeded, that we systematically uh, move the projects along that curve, up the technical curve, to the point where they could start to see what the economics could look like.
0: But there's a lot of um, exceptions to the rule, right? We've, we've had run-ins with companies who don't necessarily want to put out uh, reports at, at whatever stage because um, they, they, they feel they don't need to and sometimes that works off rare, well rarely but it, it does sometimes work work out and most of the time it doesn't and that's what's confusing again for again talking from a retail perspective how do, how do you view that because I can always point to a case study where that didn't happen and it worked out everyone made Off like bandits. We've made lots and lots and lots of money. And the hope is that this will happen in in this case, because I've fallen in love with this project. But more often than not, there's lots of fun and games in the market. So I kind of want to come back to what, you know, Mars was saying here. What are the things that you see? No names. I don't want to, I don't want to offend anyone. We've got lots of friends in the space and some, some do it right and some are a little bit cute. So what are the things which you think perhaps well, well, I wonder if, if there's any possibility of a standardisation of the way companies need to report, because there seems a lot of flexibility in the system. So, Mars, if I come to you, what, what are the things that you see that sometimes you just wince at and go, "Boy, that—that that, to me, that's obvious. That that shouldn't be presented." Like but there's that. a lot.
1: In fact, in fact, even ourselves, what we decided to do. In fact, we've we've engaged with the communications experts to make sure that two things: one, we provide a simple message. That everybody understands, as uh, Brad mentioned, it's a technical business. So, so you want to make it as non-technical as you can. Secondly, is make sure that you standardize your own. You can't in, standardize the industry because you know. I hope, I wish that we could, but but unfortunately, it's not there yet. So, so we wanted to make sure we standardize ourselves in order to make sure that whatever we provide is always consistent, so people can measure the improvement, in that. and that's what started. Uh, you know, since our you know made a resource estimate. And I'm hoping that companies look at that in terms of trying to be le- as least cryptic or non-cryptic altogether with respect to the press releases, with respect to disclosures, because you see a lot of crypt- cryptic information and you're trying to figure out, was this positive or was this negative? I'm not exactly sure, but it came out on a Thursday night or a Friday morning. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, so so those are some of the things you're trying to, you know, see uh, if, if, if it can be improved, at least from your own company. And I'm hoping that most juniors do because, you know, at the end of the day, we are we're the ambassadors of this industry. And, and if we want the new generation, the new groups, the, that aren't very familiar with mining or exploration, like my kids, you know, trying to understand this business and invest their money into it. We need to make sure that we we do it right. And, and you know, and I'm hoping that there would be some, you know, Obviously, NI43-101 was a step, but to be honest with you, NI43-101 has also become a bit of a big, uh, I'm trying to mince my words in here, but but certainly, you know, there's there's different variations, much similar to the different way that company CEOs or directors do.
0: Yeah, I could say that. But what I'm trying to get out of you, which I think be useful, is some of the red flags that people should be looking for. Because if you know what bad looks like, then perhaps it helps you understand what good could look like. So what are the things that you would note that some players in the space tend to to, to use? What, what, what are the tricks of the game?
1: Well, I think I mentioned a few. I mean, when you, you know, come up with the results, make sure you give enough information. I think James alluded to that up with an including if, if you're going to show a photo you know put that disclaimer that this this is representative of the type of a grade that so you, you know the, the mineralization you get provide the true metallurgical study all the you know analysis of it you know because sometimes a metallurgical study has five samples given but only one gave you the highest but the rest of it was so so, so did you provide the average recovery or did you just choose the best one because you think that's what you're going to do. But in an operation scenario, you know that's not going to happen. But those are some of the things. There's more transparency than anything else uh, in, in all of those terms. And and then on top of that, people talk about, you know, if you're if you if you're trying to explain that your project is c- going to grow, then you have to demonstrate how you're trying to grow that. And and, and that's another thing that I was saying before, that if, if a project has... Multi, you know, uh, district scale potential size, but if you're doing it step of twenty five meters, when are you going to come up with that kind of an ounce valuation that you're currently receiving based on the speculation by the retail investor? James, you must yeah, you must have
0: a seen a few fun things in your time as a fund manager, <laughs> let alone CEO. Of yeah, there was, there's
2: it? loads. Yeah, uh, depends where you are in the world. It gets a bit, bit, bit you know, it can be a bit more entertaining in other jurisdictions, uh, um, for sure. But look, uh, uh, transparency is the key and that whole thing, a lot of people, the, the standard one that people don't do is the metallurgy. They leave that till the end. You know, the geologist knows from looking at the rocks if it's going to be complex. There is no doubt about that. You can see it pretty quickly. I mean, and so, you know, if they know that they should be doing some work on it, if they if they leave it to the PEA stage or in the PFS stage, you know, and then oh, suddenly the recovery is only going to be seventy-five percent, and the market was giving you ninety-five percent of the value of the ounces. as well. You've you've just destroyed the margin on the project and lost a bunch of ounces. So, so that was that's that was probably the most common one. People just waiting too long to just accept reality, I guess. Um, but the key thing is you've only got your you, you, you know this you sort of build a reputation on your own uh, on integrity, then. So you kind of rely on the integrity of everyone that works for you. So that's sort of the thing that you put in place, but. Um, and you hope that people aren't, um, you know, falling in love with a project that might get there or might get to the best thing. But, but other, other obvious things are always just look at, go and look on Google Maps. You know, that's the best thing. Go and look at where the project is. Just have a look at where this resource is relative to a bunch of buildings or infrastructure or something like that. You know, because often that gets missed. People say, oh, yeah, it's a really, really good location. But it might sometimes it might be a bit too close to infrastructure. <laughs> you know, there's that one, or it's in the back end of nowhere and there's a national park, and they don't really want to tell you about that sort of thing. And actually, you know, by the time they built the infrastructure for this thing, which is going to cost them hundreds of millions, it's kind of it, it, it doesn't work anyway. So so there's there's some really simple things that sometimes don't get put on the presentation. Obviously, a nice map of the license and this great project, but obviously. Sometimes it's good to see where it is in context. of- of
0: It's interesting. You you talk about integrity there. And I was talking to the CEO earlier this week. Um, He was talking about, he's an ex fund manager too. And he was saying, Well, look, you know, I I, I know broadly about eight groups of people who are just promoters. And he's explained some of the fun and games that are played in the marketplace between. You know, financial institutions newsletter writers etc and you know in those kind of scenarios the retail has got no chance because they you know whatever needs to be said will be said uh, to to promote this thing, and that's why I keep coming back to your best, as investor, investor company with strong fundamentals, things that you guys have been talking about um, t- today. Because you know, not everyone has the ethics and morals that you y- one would expect. I mean, Brad, you, you, again, so c- c- coming to you, I mean, what, what what are the things that kind of um, to drive you slightly mad in terms of you know the the way that mining portrays itself to you know new investors coming in. I think one of the big thing
3: is, is if you were sitting down with the CEO and all he's going to talk about is the share price, the share price, the share price, and he's not going to talk about how he's building his business. And uh, because obviously we're all concerned about the share price, you know, we, our investors are investing and they want an increase in the share price and increase in the value of their shares. But if that CEO, all he's talking about is how I'm going to get the next trade on the stock. To bring up the share price, and he's not talking about what he's doing on the ground and how he's building his business. Y- you should run away. You shouldn't buy that company. You know, and there's so much of that out there. I mean, this is a technical business, and number one, it's a business. And um, you know, we focus on building our business. We have to tell our story, but if we focus on building our business, the stock will in- increase because. The assets are increasing in value. And that's, that's one of the number one things. First time I ever talk to somebody, who's telling me about their company. They're just, uh, oh, this is, there's a, I've got a, this happening and the stock's going to rip and it's going to go up and, and they're not talking about their business.
2: Right? Couldn't agree more, Brad. That's absolutely just about building the business. When they've got their head down and they're just concentrating, they come in and tell you, you know, this is, the, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're doing it. You, you know, then that you've just got a sense that the focus is right, yeah, which is so important.
1: A good example is, in fact, you know, there are companies who have gone with the father of the day, if you may, you know, changing focus. And that's when you were talking about the business. If you have a business plan today, your strategy, you can not knee jerk based on, you know, this metal price gone up or this metal price has gone down. Whereas, you know, the former company that we purchased had changed focus three times through their, their life from gold to nickel PGM and from that back to gold. And really, when you look at it, and that's how people... People can understand is this a, is this a goal focused company or is this a base metal company? Or are these the guys that are just trying to see if they can get the next trade-up type of a thing? So, so so those are some of the some of the things that we really look at in terms of other investments that I have. I mean, obviously I don't have all of my investment involved, and I'm sure every one of you guys are the same. So 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 we really look at that kind of a thing when we want to invest in a company.
0: So, so how, how do retail judge you guys, right? Because uh, we get lots of questions about skin in the game. And obviously there's lots of ways to look at that. We're, we've got a piece coming out later this week about what, if you break down the variables of what skin in the game actually means and the different ways that um, you can interpret it. Um, they, Need to understand that some companies are lifestyles, some are fundamentals, but some are lifestyle, and you need to keep the story alive long enough until you find your next gig. Um, and you know, just coming back to Brad's point of you know, you're building a business here. Real businesses have a business plan, they have a strategy, and there's a timeline, and there's the ability to raise capital during you know during that process. Where the others do need to flip flop between from gold. To PGMs and nickel and back again, because it's what's trendy at the moment. And it's the way that they can raise capital at that moment in time. So there's, there's a human factor here, which I, I, I'm, I'm seeing as an investor looking. But again, what, how do you, how do you think Mars, you should be
1: judged on what? Just the share I've, price? Yeah, yeah. Have a business plan, transparent communication and stick with it. Once in a while, you you know you look back to make sure you're you know you're on the right track, but you don't change that focus because if you change the focus, the people who you convinced to become your shareholders at the time when you delivered that are going to be looking at you as if, well, hang on, that's not what I got into this. I got into this because of that reason, and and, and so to carry out with that without changing uh, the entire focus. That's why, like in our company, for example, and annually we look at our strategic plan once a year. We just completed that in December. That's how we came up with our budget of the the plan this year. We delivered that uh, this week, a couple of days ago, saying this is what we're going to do. Now, obviously, as an exploration company, you don't know when the next step is going to be. So so we don't know when the economic study is going to be definitely at this quarter of this year. But we certainly have provided that program we're going to carry out with that, right? And along the way, any kind of a positive news or negative news, communicate that explain that and we've tried i mean maybe we've we've not been the best communicator but we certainly have learned from others as well as our own past experiences and trying to make sure we are as transparent as we can be. but that's what to me transparent communication is the key
0: okay and james i mean you, you've had a nice smooth run of it it's been easy breezy for you is not it <laughs> yeah i guess
2: <laughs> you have to pinch yourself sometimes yes uh, look it, it look it always has it up and but i think the you know we haven't really talked about it much but that bit the early days when you're really just trying to get these things going that's the tough part you know once you start having the success and the expiration in expiration, obviously then it gets more fun but yeah there's the the stressful bit when you're looking for the next one is, is the most important sorry about that um is, is but, is that, uh, look,
0: is that shareholder ringing in to give you some advice
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, um but look you, you know it it it's it, um you know it, it doesn't it just doesn't come to you we, we, we had a very strong plan you know when i i spent 13 years looking at exploration companies and the model of how they how they worked and, and which ones didn't and, and that's like you know probably 15 so i had a big advantage going into it so we set. so when i joined the company you know i made quite a few changes and we set out with a very systematic approach to what we were going to do and we luckily that we had some really strong shareholders that were supportive of that plan and put the money up, the risk money up at that stage that we could actually just get on with doing the business rather than spending the whole time chasing around raising the next few million dollars. I mean, that is the the big differentiator between the companies. Really, I have a lot of sympathy for the guys that it's really hard to get money at the beginning. But if you have a strong business plan, so it goes to be a strong systematic approach to what you're going to do, and you can put that up, you know, there are people that are prepared to to put up that kind of risk finance, but then you have to commit, you have to commit to it and you have to do it and you have to fulfill it. And if it goes wrong, you just tell them it goes wrong, but whatever you do, don't go off track, you know, don't say, oh, I was looking for 2 million ounce deposits. Oh, it's all right. We're going to drill this one off. It might become 200,000 ounces. you hold on a minute. That wasn't what I put the money up for. I'm not going to make a return on that. Um, I'm looking for, you know, the seven to 15 times return from expiration, from the expiration stage. Um, So, you know, I think, and that's it. And I always remind our team: it's like stick with the plan. You know, you found Hickory. You know, let's. You know, we're going to drill some satellites, but keep on looking for the. You know, filter all your work. Let's look for the next big thing that could be multi million hours. It, it, um, it's it's
0: it's interesting actually. Along all your journeys, you're going to get lots of people giving you advice about what you should and shouldn't shouldn't yeah. do. And you, what I'm hearing is, you know, stay the course, be confident. You know, reassess occasionally, but be confident in your own abilities. Brad, you've done it. You've done it three times before, so. Um, you had a lot of retail retail investors and institutional investors following you into this project. Have you had any adverse criticism, or uh, and and if you do, how do you treat that?
3: Well, you know, you're always going to get criticism. You know, you're never going to have everybody happy. Um, I'll tell you that you know our institutional investors have been very very supportive, um, and. Uh, when somebody has criticism, you you know, you know explain to them. Again, like the guys are saying, transparently, uh, you, all, you always tell the truth where you are. You tell people that this is a risky business, but we have good, solid technical people. And sometimes you have bumps in the road and you, you deal with them because you have experience, you have a strong technical team, and uh, you're building a business and you will succeed. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, really... Uh, we have a great shareholder base that has followed us over the years. And, um, you know, we've gained a lot of experience and that's, it's the people you deal with. I mean, again, I'd say that's the number one thing. If you're a retail shareholder, look at the people you're dealing with. Uh, can you, can you trust them? Or are they just really pushing hard to get you to buy their stock so that the next trade is there and it's an up trade? and um, look at their track record. You know, look at the people they have around them. Look at the board. You know, that board's supposed to represent you, the shareholder. Right. And, um, you know, those are some of the key things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, it's all about the people. It's all about the people you're dealing with. And, and somebody, I can't remember who, I mean, it was you, Matt, you said about, you know, people, uh, different, different um, themes all the time, you know, this is hot, they're doing that, you know, it's crypto or it's, I I always say uh, our timing has been perfect. If you're there all the time, eventually it's perfect. We don't we don't do crypto this week and then next week do uh gold and silver, right? So,
0: well, gentlemen, like I'm I'm just conscious of the time. Um I think precious metals going to have an interesting year this year. I think it's going to be a, a comeback uh, moment. These are the three companies I particularly enjoy talking to. Always straight, always honest um uh, with with me, and I've learned a thing along the way too. So, gentlemen, thank you very very much for your time. We'll speak to you all soon. Uh, thank you, thank
1: much. you. Uh, nice to see you guys.